we're going to be very sad and <laughs> and probably going to uh, cry. This is Tall Can Audio. <laughs> What's happening, everybody? Matt Robinson with you here in our studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. First day back in the studio. It's actually been a fairly busy one. Uh, we're on to, this I think is session three of at least four and maybe one more to come. So it's been a busy day uh, back here behind the mic, actually in the studio. Happy to be with you. We're going to do a quick one here with our pal Shrides, who I've been trying to get on the line here for a little while now. She's been in mourning a little bit. We're going to talk about what went down at the Women's World Cup with her. Uh, always appreciate her making some time. Uh, of course, more to come this week. On Thursday morning, AJ Jackubeck will be in here. We'll talk to him about what he's been up to lately, some of his travels. But of course, mainly the Ottawa Red Blacks talk some CFL and uh, see what's new with AJ. And then, of course, on Tuesday, following the long weekend, Rob will be back in here as well. We've also got some other guests coming up that I'm not able to announce quite yet. But uh, we're going to keep it busy. It's nice to be back here in the comforts of home. Obviously nice uh, to be sitting by the lake and doing some of these shows. But it is nice to be back here in my comfortable chair. You know, got the the good microphones here, the good setup, everything. So uh, it's nice to be back, um, at least for a little while before I, I try and disappear again. Maybe sneak out just a little more lake time here uh, before the summer's over. We'll see how that goes. With all that out of the way, let's bring in our pal, Michaela Schreider, who uh, we're going to do this under a certain pretense. Really, Michaela is just getting on the show now because I haven't been able to get my shit together, but we're going to pretend it's because I've been respectfully allowing her to mourn. How are you doing, Schreider? Are, are things okay over there? And that's how I've we cope. Better, Matt. That's how we cope. With I've things. been better. That's <laughs> how we cope. That's our coping mechanism this week, Matt. I, you, I, I, I appreciate the time to give me to, to let me mourn. <laughs> no um, one else has I'd given it to you. To say, You've been everywhere this week. Yeah. I've been everywhere, um, and I'd love to say that this time to reflect and gather my thoughts has, you know, left me a better person and maybe with more perspective on the thing, but it hasn't. And I'm so miserable and this is awful and I hate everything. So I'm in a really good place and I can't wait. I, I'm sure you and your listeners can't wait to hear from me for the next, however long this takes. All right. Nice moody podcast. We like that. We'll right. Nothing. Do you have some emo music? Yeah, you could in- intro me with, like some My Chemical Romance or something. <laughs> Well, it sounds like you're uh, sipping on a little chemical something over there. What do you got going on today? Well, Matt, listen, it uh, is come as no surprise to you or anybody who knows me. It's been a tough week. And when you are going through a tough time, you want comfort. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to go with a comfort beer today, something I know and love, something uh, that is yield faithful uh, for me. And that is Great Lakes Canuck. Um, this, this beer is what I think it's honest to God, like, I've, I've, I never give a favorite beer because it's so hard, but it's one of my favorite beers. And, it, you know, gun to my head, I'd probably say it's my favorite beer. And um, Josh and I just went through our own mystical fridge of magic or whatever <laughs> we want to call it. Uh, and we, we realized, like, we have all these, and I'm sure you've run into this, we have all these beers that we, you know, we get in sampler packs or we get in, like, packages or we grab at the LCBO. And then over time, there's always, like, one or two of them that just stays in your fridge and yep. lingers. And you don't, you don't, tr- you don't drink it because maybe it's a little too funky or you're just not in the mood for it. 
we have so many of those beers in our fridge. And so we made, I made a promise to myself that was for the next little while, I'm just going to go with stuff I know while I clean out the rest of my fridge. And uh, so I've been buying a lot of Canuck and I want some comfort and some stability this week. And so that's what I'm going with today. See, I, I've been through that a hundred times and you're being maybe a little more charitable than I am. Often when I do it, it's because I'm just not feeling these, right? I don't think I'm going to like this. And so I will leave it mm-hmm. in the mystical, magical fridge of wonder, knowing I have plenty of guests here who come and like different types of beers and uh. hoping they will drink it, right? And so those sort of yep. become the, uh, the you know, the guest beers or whatever. And I, there's, it's not that there's anything wrong with those beers. It's just not something I'm necessarily feeling. And so as you've said, out of every six or out of every 12 pack, whatever, maybe there's just one or two of them. And so at some point your fridge becomes nothing but things you don't really want to drink, right? Like that's all that's left in there. And you sort of have to sit back and wonder, how do I have this much of something I'm not interested in? It, it, it sends you down these existential, you know, wormholes. It does. It, 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 it brings you to some dark places and I've already been to some dark places this week. So, but that's definitely where we're at with this fridge. Like it is until I went to the LCB over the weekend and and grabbed some, I think it was like whitewater and Canuck only. Um, (laughs) I was like, like, it was literally full of stuff that I had no desire to drink, like just too funky for me or not in the mood for today. Um, and yeah, and you usually you try to pawn it off on people who come over and, yep. and we just haven't had a lot of people over recently. So we, <laughs> we, we do this super fun thing. Um, we have like sample glasses, like the ones that you get from breweries Ooh. or flights. Yes. And, uh, we, we started this hot, this, uh, habit during the pandemic where, uh, we would do sampler Sunday cause we had absolutely nothing else to do. Sure. And we would sit in our basement and pick four beers from our fridge and have a little sampler. So that might be, that might have to happen a few times to get, uh, to get this fridge cleared out. Or what we could do is I could give you my shelf full of beers I'm not really interested in. You could give me your Ooh. shelf of beers you're not really interested And we'll see if there's like, oh, now I'm interested, right? Like these are someone else's that maybe fit my tastes a little better. I don't know. There, there might be something here. Shrugs. Yeah. Yeah. A tall can audio trade deadline. If yeah. Oh, I like that. I like it a lot. Last thing on the beer here I should mention, just because I've mentioned this brewery before and I thought you would enjoy this. Uh, I've been... Uh, down in Bob Cage into the Old Dog Brewing Company a few times. And uh, nice. this was the first time I've actually gone in and sat down and had a beer or two. So I had a flight while I was there. But Shrides, they don't call it a flight. Do you have any idea what the Old Dog Brewing Company might call it? <laughs> oh, my punning is not strong today. No, what do they call it? A doggy paddle. And they bring them. Oh, <laughs> that's adorable. So, uh, yeah, I've got some new old dogs we'll try here uh, in the coming episodes as well. Shrides, you mentioned you've been to some dark places. Let's get right into it. We can talk about all the surrounding things that went on the battle with the association. We can get into that. We can talk about the lack of proper preparation. We can get into that at some point. But just on the field, they start off the tournament with a disappointing to some people draw you had said to be fair before the tournament started people are sleeping on this Nigeria team they're better than you think don't assume you've got that in your back pocket uh, some of us assumed it anyway and were disappointed with a draw um, they come back and beat Ireland and then they fall flat against Australia Shrides what the hell happened Matt I've been asking myself that same question for three days now um, yeah like I you know when you're right and you hate that you're right? <laughs> That's how I felt after the Nigeria game. I was like, I told you so, and I hate myself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like after the Nigeria game, I wasn't feeling as stressed as I maybe should have been because 
while I do think that it was absolutely a, a situation in which Canada did not play as well as they could have. I also thought that Nigeria played really well and we kind of thought that they would. And so I wasn't too, too worried about it after the first half against Ireland, like Vanessa and I watched that game together and we were at the first half. It was tied one, one at the, at the half mm-hmm. after an own goal uh, from Ireland. <laughs> so Canada, like, like, you know, the, Ireland had scored four minutes into that game. And at the half, uh, Vanessa and I were like, well, what, what are they going to do when they don't get out of the group? Like, you know, how long is Bev here for and what changes are they going to oh make? God. Like we were, we were having, oh man, we went down a dark hole. <laughs> and then Adriana Leone scores seven minutes into the next half. And we're like, oh, everything's fine. This team is great. Sure. But that is how bad that first half against Ireland was. This was a completely lifeless team out there. And now the second half against Ireland was fantastic that, you know, they subbed in sync, they subbed in Sophie Schmidt and they subbed in uh, Shalina Zadorsky. And I really think that that completely changed the identity of this team. They were a totally different team. They looked like the team Canada we know and love. And then unfortunately in the game against Australia, we saw a full game of that first half versus Ireland, completely flat, completely lifeless, no urgency whatsoever. They were always right there on the doorstep and just couldn't give that extra little bit of effort. I don't know how many headers Jordan Heidema missed. There was honestly times where I felt like Jesse Fleming just didn't fully commit to trying to get to where she needed to be. It like, I wish that I had a better analysis in general, um, because their possession was good. That That is their game. They dominate possession. But any time Australia touched the ball, it was a scoring chance because this defense would completely crumble. And that's not what we're used to seeing from Team Canada. Team Canada, while they struggle to score, they are a defensive powerhouse. All they had to do was lock this in. All they had to do was shut the door and draw, like Jamaica did against Brazil today yeah. to end Brazil's World Cup hopes. And... They couldn't even do that. They had to draw or win against Australia to move on. And so that is theoretically two out of the possible three scenarios in any given soccer game. And they couldn't do that. They couldn't get the 66.6% chance, whatever it is, um, to, to, to walk away from this game and move on. And it just, I, other than this team looked like they were absolutely lifeless and and it, it, I, I said it at one point on Twitter. I think like no one did anyone tell Team Canada that like the urgency of this game. Did anyone tell Team Canada the importance of this game? Because they honestly looked like they were out for a Sunday stroll. Um, it I I don't know how else to describe it. It just it was it was so disappointing. And and I don't want to take anything away from Australia. Australia also played really well. Sure. Uh, you know they were missing Sam Kerr, and and I think they really um, rallied around that. You know not only are the the home team they're playing in front of a home crowd, but they're missing their captain. They're missing their star player, and I think they really wanted to get it done for her. And unfortunately, uh, you know Canada just they weren't the team Canada that I'm used to seeing. But unfortunately, they were the team Canada that we have seen really in this calendar year. And we'll get into why, because I really don't think the two are are separate enough. But just on the pitch, this team this team wasn't good enough. And and unfortunately, that's how uh, Sophie Schmidt's World Cup career ends. That's how Christine Sinclair's uh, World Cup career likely ends. And uh, it was it was a sad day, man. Like I was so depressed and angry, and I've just kind of been in that state ever since. And you're 
husband's been in hiding, no doubt, uh, at this point. Um, he he tried to do the thing that he always does, which is like go on the side. He cheers for whatever team my team is playing against, uh, but he couldn't even do that. He's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to try. You're struggling. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's not fun to kick an already injured puppy, right? It's, uh, it's there's yeah. just not a whole lot of fun there, especially when you know you have to live with it when you're done. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm curious what you think goes into... I saw a couple of breakdowns. It, it, it's it's almost hard to go all the way back to Tokyo uh, when Canada won a gold medal. And they weren't setting the world on fire in the round robin there either. Um, they stepped up when they had to to get a win that they needed to and then kind of caught fire in the playoffs. And so you sort of start to see this string together of times where, as you pointed out, when they have possession, this is a very good team but that they weren't possessing the ball enough and, and they weren't, you know, kind of cashing on these opportunities. What in your mind was sort of, is this a trend that has become a bit of a thing under Bev? Are we now reaching for straws? Like it, it, are there, were there warning signs in Tokyo that we just ignored because they got hot at the right time and grabbed that gold medal? Or was this kind of a completely, you know, its own thing. If you're following what I'm saying there. <laughs> I think there were warning signs, but not in Tokyo. Honestly, the team in Tokyo, like, yeah, they're not the most offensively. um, They're not an offensive powerhouse, right? right? They're not going to run up the score. But what they did so well is they maintained possession. uh, They they played a very structured defensive game and they waited for the other team to make mistakes. And and it happened Mm -hmm. that what they did really well was what they should have done this game. And they they were really good at just locking it down at making sure the other team didn't score or only scored one goal and then taking it from there. That was their game and they played it very well. Now they also had Janine Becky in, in on that team right. and she is a huge part of this team's offense. So it can't be understated how much her absence from this tournament was felt. You shouldn't feel it from missing one player. We saw Australia survive missing Sam Kerr. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't think that that's necessarily, uh, you know, it completely explains away the situation, but it's worth noting that they didn't have her. Um, you know, Desiree Scott, also a huge absence on this team. And and both of them were huge factors in the Tokyo win. Right. But to me, like, I don't think it, like you can always poke holes in any team's game. Um, but I don't think you could draw a line from Tokyo to this unless you're really, really searching for it because although, yeah, they weren't the most, they weren't an offensive powerhouse in Tokyo. They didn't need to be because of the game that they played. And one thing that Bev Priestman and her teams do really well is they win must win games. Right. And that's what they did in Tokyo. They won the gold medal for me where the warning signs started to come was, was the calendar year 2023 was the she believes cup where we saw them come out and play absolutely flat against the States Mm -hmm. only win one game in that tournament because they were literally being threatened uh, by their federation of, of with legal action. Right, and just to take people um, back, you may have forgotten, this is the height of the we are fighting right now with... Yeah, I, our, I was going to get into that. Sorry, they were ahead. literally days removed from sitting in front of the House of Commons and testifying about how they are being underfunded, underappreciated, under, and dis- like blatantly disrespected by their organization. They then have to pack up, fly down south, and play a game against the best team in the world. So it wasn't overly surprising that they weren't playing well, but 
unfortunately that the team that we saw in this world cup, it looked a really similar to what we saw in the, she believes cup. And you know, it's worth noting and I'm sure we'll get into it. The she believes cup was three games. They had one closed door friendly with France after that. Those were the only four games that they played this calendar year ahead of the world cup. It's not enough. No, it's not close to enough. So why don't we take off from there into some of the things that happened off the pitch you know, we're sort of in this area now anyway that, you know, you believe would contribute to a, I think, and you pointed this out correctly on your Twitter at Shrides, S-C-H-R-E-I-D-S, that two things can be true at the same time. This team did not play well and this team was not set up to play well. This team was not properly supported to be in the right mindset to do those things at the right time. It's not letting the team off the hook to say, yeah, the world's kind of been falling down around them. You know, it's possible that they showed up at that tournament and didn't execute. But at the same time, off the pitch, they were kind of being kicked around and, and not being put in the right situations. How do you believe what's kind of happened here over the last several months and frankly, much longer than that, uh, between this team and between the association contributed to the performance that they had at this tournament. Like, I don't think you can separate the two. And I, I saw a lot of people trying to do that and coming at me with like, oh, that's not an excuse, blah, blah, blah. Like, again, it, it's not an excuse. It's a statement of fact. Canada soccer is not supporting their women's team enough during this tournament Right before this tournament, they announced that they probably don't have enough money to run training camps in the fall while this team prepares for the Olympics. During this tournament, they announced an interim agreement that the women's team publicly said is not good enough. This federation is not supporting their women's team properly. They had four games to prepare for the biggest tournament of many of these players' careers, the biggest tournament in the women's sports calendar every four years. This team had four games this year to prepare and were it was public knowledge that Canada soccer did not have enough money to run a proper training camp for this tournament. How can you look at like if someone performs poorly and they were not given the proper resources to prepare for that performance, how do you say the two are completely separate? Right. Of course, you're going to perform poorly when you're not given the resources to prepare for that performance. I like I it, it baffles me that people are separating the two. And what really bothers me is that we look at Tokyo and we look at the success that this team has had really um, since, you know, 2003, um, the, you know, when they started this string of consecutive World Cup appearances. Mm -hmm. And we look at all the success that they've had. It has been, and Janine Becky has said this verbatim, they have succeeded in spite of the Federation, not because of them, not with their help. And the fact that we are now holding it against this team for not succeeding in spite of their Federation, for finally showing signs of a team that is not properly supported, it blows my mind. Why are we getting mad at the team? For not succeeding in spite of their federation and rather focusing on the federation for not supporting the team like i don't think you can have a full conversation about this tournament without mentioning what canada soccer has or hasn't done because the the two are obviously related this is pre preparation for a tournament how do you expect people to be successful when you're not giving them the resources to do so well and you know, it, it goes deeper. You can already see the cracks in other places. You'd have a better handle on these specifics uh, than I have. But like Canadian women's under 17 team has not exactly been lighting it up lately either, right? Like if you're trying to look into the future and hope that you can kind of 
paint over these cracks with more talent and more talent, there will be players, but there aren't a lot of warning signs that there's this huge next wave of young players coming to back up some of these older players who are getting ready to step away. And how could there be? There's no development league in Canada. There's not a, no funding towards these younger teams. Like, this is a problem. And when we talk about warning signs that maybe go back, you know, I asked about Tokyo. You suggested more accurately it's the She Believes Cup. There's no signs right now that things are about to get better or turn around. In fact, you're about to witness a wave of players start to disappear. And maybe we enter a bit of a dark period here if things aren't turned around in a real hurry. Yeah, Christine St. Clair very accurately described this as a warning sign, right? Like other other teams, other countries are catching up now. That's the other thing about this tournament is mm-hmm. we've seen that gap close big time. Like the US, the US finished second in their group. That's their worst performance in a group stage in I think the history of the World Cup so far. Um the other countries, other federations, other teams are starting to catch up. And Canada soccer is not going to get away with not supporting this team anymore because, again, they were able to do it before, perhaps just because, you know, by this one, by the skin of their teeth and, and, and two, because other teams hadn't caught up, but they're catching up now and you're not going to get away with this anymore. And, and, and what's funny is like there are still so many teams in this tournament, so many countries where their federations are doing the same thing that Canada soccer is doing right now. Um, and yet again, we still expect all these teams to succeed in spite of them, but you know, Canada can't get away with this anymore. The, the gap is closing. Um, we're starting to see this trend of the the, the uh, younger teams not doing as well because the gap is closing there too. Yep. So we need to start seeing some support. We need to see this team be treated much like the men's team, give given equitable support, given proper resources to come into these tournaments. And yeah, I think I think that the the um, women's league being formed here in 2025, I think is going to go a long way. Um, I you know, we're still waiting for that to even be sanctioned by by Canada Soccer, and who knows what their involvement's going to be given everything with the CPL. So, right. um, yeah, it's it's definitely scary if you're a Canada Soccer fan or a Canadian Soccer fan. I, I just like even the men who got far better treatment and far more attention going into the world are they're also saying, "Hey, not good enough. Like this is a mess." No, right? so like exactly if, if they're getting that much more than the women, and even they're going, "Hey, get your shit together." Man, there, this is a mess that needs to be cleaned up in a big way. And, you know, the the spotlight is on Canada soccer now more than it's ever been because of, A, the women, win, win, the women winning that Olympic gold medal and then the men qualifying for a World Cup. All of a sudden, you have more people watching soccer in this country than ever before, and you're kind of looking at it going, wait, our organization's kind of a joke, like... How did either of our teams manage to kind of crawl up and get anything done? And then as soon as you pull back the curtain, you see that it's just in shambles behind the curtains. It's, I've said curtains too many times in this sentence, but you know what I'm saying, Shrines. I'm just back from holidays, okay? I'm doing my best here. That's okay. We're all in a rough spot this week, Matt. Yeah, Yeah, well, that's that's exactly it. Like, Canada soccer has kind of been able to hide behind this for a long time. And now with this many eyeballs on them. Um, they're not able to do that anymore. And, and, you know, full credit has to go to, uh, a lot of the women's players who, while preparing for the biggest tournament of their lives, were sit again, sitting in front of a a parliamentary committee testifying as to why their federation is not supporting them. Meanwhile, probably get like, I, based on the responses that I've had on Twitter, uh, calling out Canada soccer, I can only imagine what Christine St. Clair, Janine Becky, Sophie Schmidt, and Quinn have had to go through in the last few months. Cause there are some 
ill-informed people hmm. out there with very strong opinions about why this women's team uh, shouldn't expect uh, to be properly supported. So with all of that going on, you're then also having to, you know, train and get ready and prepare for this tournament. So um, it, it's just, it's really, it's so unfortunate because I think people love this team so much. And, you know, we have the greatest international goal scorer of all time on our team. She is Canadian. Her name is Christine St. Clair. And we just sent her off in her last World Cup game, in her last World Cup tournament, in the worst way possible. And it breaks my damn heart. It's so depressing when you sit back and think about that. Well, and it's interesting, if we circle back a few minutes, you you sort of pumped the brakes a little, as you said, possibly Christine Sinclair's last <laughs> World Cup. Is that your own wishful thinking, your inability to say that that might have been her last Olympic game? Is there reason to believe she might have another four years in her? What do you think's next for Christine Sinclair? I just never want to say anything because we'll never know. She's never going to tell us what's next. She's never going to tell us, hey, I'm retiring. Hey, this is my last tournament. She's just going to go. Right. She's just going to disappear. She hates the spotlight. Um like she, she said it's likely her last World Cup. She, she never used the words, uh, the full words. I believe this is my last World Cup. She said it's probably or likely, or she always used that verbiage. So I just want to stick with what she's saying. Sure. I want to be consistent with her. Um, and you know, it, I don't know how much longer we'll see her on the team. Paris twenty twenty four is not that far away. Uh, she's going to finish out the NWSL season. We know that much, and. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Like, I can't believe I have to say this, but she is still a very good player. She is still very effective. People want to say she's not. People want to say, oh, she's lost a step. She doesn't have it. First of all, she's 40. We've all lost steps by that age. Um, And second of all, like we're comparing her to Ken. I'm 34 (laughs) years old. I have lost several steps. Um, We we compare her to her previous self, the Christine Sinclair of 5, 10, 15 years ago that player was literally the best player in the world. Right. Of course, she's not going, she was scoring at a historic pace. Of course, she's not going to be doing that, right. but she is still a very effective player. She's still, a, she's still scoring consistently for the Portland Thorns. And when she's not, she's still contributing to play and she's still helping other players score. Um, so I think like, I haven't seen enough from Christine Sinclair for me to go, Oh yeah, she needs to hang him up. Although a number of men on Twitter who don't watch <laughs> women's soccer, but only watch these three games have seen that. So it's worth noting. Uh, you should check, you know, their opinions as well. Sure. Um, but I personally have not seen enough to, from her to say, Oh, she should definitely retire. No, I think she's still got it. And I think that she should play for as long as she's still got it. And as long as it's making her happy. Um, and, and if that happens to be until 2027, I'm very much okay with that. <laughs> as long as it continues to make strides happy is how long. Exactly. I am the main character. Of course. Uh, Sinclair in or out. What is next? for this Canadian team you've suggested or you mentioned that uh, they've already said that possibly some fall training camps are in jeopardy here we are now only about a year away from the 2024 Olympics you will be going into that as the defending gold medalist doesn't seem like a great time to be skimping on the practice time or the million of other you know things that Soccer Canada is is skimping on what's next for the team in terms of their preparations when we might see them in competition again uh, what's coming up on the calendar 
So they have two Olympic qualifying games uh, against Jamaica coming up in September. And those are actually taking place in um, Toronto. Hmm. Um, I believe I'm just going to double check the dates. I know one is the 27th of September. Um, so you're checking your the, hotel the, reservations. Is this the. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I'm going to be there. Yeah. So we got September 18th and September 26th, both in Toronto, both against Jamaica. Those are the Olympic qualifying um games and already i think it's fair to say we're all pretty concerned about those games because right. today and we saw jamaica draw against brazil and boot them from the world cup so this jamaica team they have one of the best scorers in the world right now in in Khadija bunny shaw and like as we've seen from canada you know who I don't know that they've got what it takes to beat Jamaica right now. So are they even going to qualify for the Olympics? I think is a huge question. And Canada soccer has publicly stated that they don't know if they're going to have enough money for fall training camps. Again, the women's team is going into this qualifying, these qualifying games without support, proper support from their federation. So if they don't lose, if they don't win, it won't be overly surprising. Um, And then where do they go from there? They don't have, they quote unquote don't have the money um to to run camp so there's a there's a ton of questions looming over this team none of which are their own fault which really sucks yeah well and like we've seen it before in other sports when you fall out of olympic qualification you kind of go into this black hole of okay, we start over on everything, right? Like at this point, what there's at least a year where we have nothing to compete for because we're not going to the Olympics. Then you start thinking about the next World Cup and, and circling into that. But man, that idea of the defending Olympic gold medalist not even qualifying for the Olympics would have been unthinkable not that long ago. And now here we are sitting with it as a legitimate possibility. Uh, as you said, yep. Jamaica knocks over uh, noted soccer slouches Brazil I guess is not yeah. Uh, yeah it's a reasonable win that Jamaicans have just pulled off here and and they're coming right so I don't know can we hope for it to be really cold in Toronto in late September maybe that helps a little or something but th- it's a dark spot I guess. right now it is and and you, you know people will use this as you're right like there's a potential for it to be a really dark period if Canada doesn't qualify for the Olympics and people will use that as an excuse not to support this team Mm -hmm. in my opinion it's the exact opposite it's this is what happens when you don't support your team so support them and let's see what happens then right give them proper funding give them proper resourcing and let's see what they do take all that away and they don't perform well so you further withhold it makes no sense to me yeah so I, I'm really, I'm really afraid that this is going to justify Canada soccer. I mean, Jesus, they haven't supported them when they won gold. Let's see what they do when they don't qualify. Like that's terrifying. I probably don't need to ask this question, but I'll ask it anyway. What's coming up on She's Got Game this weekend across the TSN radio network? It's basically this, but without <laughs> alcohol, to be honest with you. <laughs> At least not without outward publicly admitted to alcohol. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Wink. Yeah. Um, just kidding, TSN, if you're listening, of I would course, never do that. No. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, we're going to break down the Canada game and we're going to be very sad and <laughs> and probably going to uh, cry. I don't know. And we're also going to talk about, I mean, it, it might lift some spirits a little bit. Um, the U.S. Women's National Team is struggling in this World Cup. <laughs> and I, for one, am okay with it. A little schadenfreude uh, so never hurts, right? That's uh... a little bit. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's nice to watch your rivals of go course. down as well. 
Um, got a couple of big round of 16 games coming up this weekend. So we'll set those up, including the U S versus Sweden, which I am very much looking forward to. Cause, yeah. uh, if, if you've watched the U S at all in this tournament, I said it from day one, I said it from the first game against Vietnam, this team is not winning this tournament. Hmm. I would be surprised if this team beats Sweden in the round of 16, they are not playing very well. And, uh, yeah, so we're going to also talk about that to try and make Canadian soccer fans feel a little bit better. That's right. Our second favorite team is whoever is playing Team USA in most things. Uh, at this Anybody point. but America. Right. Um, I guess maybe I, I should just ask you, what is your, you know, uh, I know you were upset at game one being a 10.30 p.m. start. The next two games for Canada were a little easier. Have you allowed your sleep patterns to sort of return to normal now, not being tied to Canada, and you just sort of watch what's on when you get up, or are you still doing some crazy stuff over there for certain matchups? <laughs> oh, no. I'm oh, no. still exhausted, <laughs> and I haven't stopped. And I'm not going to. Uh, the U.S. plays Sweden on Sunday at 5 a.m., so oh. I will be getting up for that. The uh, England plays Nigeria Monday at 3.30 a.m., no, so I will be getting say up for oh, that. Oh, my God. Oh yeah. 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 I'm not done. I'm, uh, I'm nowhere close to done. And I, I was talking to Vanessa today and, and she was telling me that, um, the schedule for like for the round of 16 was kind of based on the U S finishing first in their group. Cause they would have been playing at 10 PM Eastern time sure. on Saturday night, which is 7 PM on the, on the West coast. Yep. And they did not finish first in no. their group. They finished second. So they've got this crappy time, this crappy start time now for their country. Well, I saw the same uh, thing. And this a- was only from Fox sports perspective of like how pissed they were at how the team has performed because it's thrown off all these, like you said, 10 PM over in North America, not bad for a tournament in Australia. You can get some viewers there at three in the morning. Not so much. And so not so much. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm still watching it and I'm like, I'm not getting up for every single game, but I am getting up for most games. And now that we're into the elimination round, I think it'll probably be even more unhinged. Um, and yeah, I'm very tired. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I've become way more dependent on caffeine than I normally am. And I'm in addition to being tired, I'm also sad now. So it's, it's been a really great week for me, you're a, Matt. You're in a I'm good thriving. Place. Yeah. You're in a really yeah, good place. Just thriving. We're worried about you, but we're thinking about you. Follow me for more self-care tips. Yeah. It's going to be okay. Shrides. <laughs> we're going to get through this together. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate you coming on and, and talking us through this because I was fairly baffled with the entire thing, just watching it unfold in front of me. I've said a hundred times on here, I'm not an expert in soccer, men's or women's, but I, that didn't look right. And, um, I'm glad you were able to explain to me what I just saw. It did. Yeah, it definitely did. There was a point where it was after the second goal. I was like, Canada is not scoring two plus goals in this game. Right. We're done. Yeah. And that is a same. Like I'm, all, I've, I've said this on the show before. Like I'm also one of those fans where, like, when my team goes down by one goal, I'm like, well, it's over. That was fun. <laughs> um, you, you, you heard what we were talking about in during the Ireland game. Like I, I'm a bit of a, uh, I catastrophize things really fast. <laughs> and so even I was like, yeah, this, this game is over. <laughs> oh, well, we'll try it again in four years. Hopefully. Yay. And, and in Paris, maybe. No, it's September. We got to start in September. September That's, in we'll Toronto. We'll try again in September. You're I will be there for, for what it's worth. I'm going to at least one of those games. So we'll see if fun. your therapist is going to allow that. Uh, she may advise <laughs> you to distance yourself a little bit for a little while. Got some notes for her. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll wind this one down here. Thank you so much, Rides. I appreciate it as always. Thanks for having me, Matt. 
And uh, thank you all for listening. Don't forget on uh, Thursday, AJ Jackiebeck will be back on the podcast. We'll talk a little CFL, speaking of things that are hurting Shride's feelings right now. And uh, we'll see what else AJ's been up to. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you all next time. What the hell is that? Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Why are you so pissy?